0: hello and welcome to the gooners Tour back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our let's talk arsenal series today i'm joined by sophie from the Highbury squad how are you doing sophie are You well i'm
1: doing very well thanks tom how are you
0: yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. So you got a new microphone, I see. Uh, you are outside <laughs> and you're doing stuff in the uh, in the house, and she's just I attaching am. the hardwired we'll internet to get crisp sound.
1: Yeah. Awesome. How there are we you? Go. Though? You're good. I'm epic. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Um, you know. Uh, just turned uh 50 and got myself a Yeti y- X out of it. So I'm happy. New mic, you know, all good.
0: <laughs> what kind of person puts microphone on their birthday <laughs> list? <laughs> Me! That's that's the world that we live in in the YouTubing land of, of asking. I I got this microphone for a birthday present, I think, as well. So uh yeah, it's a crazy world of YouTubing. Um, obviously it's the international break, which means we've been without football for a little bit. Only international football's been played, which is frankly quite boring at times. And obviously we after three defeats, there's nothing more we want than to see Arsenal back and and you know, making up for lost time we' which we basically wasted so much time with those three defeats already this season. Are you confident going into those games against Norwich and Burnley that we can turn things around?
1: Um, no, not really and you know it's really funny the international break i used to be so excited uh, um, to watch england and international football back in the day and now it it does feel like the premier league growth and just the excitement of the league and european football um, unless it's like the euros or the world cup i think everything in between now is a little langweilig as they say in germany mm, but boring. i um i don't i don't think it's negative to say that you you don't hold a lot of optimism because when you can see where we are and how we've started, um, it's there's a lot to, to kind of maybe be hopeful for, but hope isn't a plan, Tom. And I hope, you know, the only thing that I'm living for is the fact that these new players can actually come together. I mean, if we lose against Norwich, I don't think we'll see, I don't think we've scratched the surface of Arsenal implosion or Arsenal fan Implosion if we lose that game we can't mm. lose that game and if we do oh, how we <laughs> damning <I> know, <laughs> how damning would it be if we were to lose that game you know mm.
0: would would losing against norwich mean that there is really no way back for arteta at that point is that i mean bottom of the league the other team that's lost all three games has the same minus nine goal difference is that a no way back scenario
1: well, you can't lose to two newly promoted teams in the space of, you oh, know, no, no, the you, first... You can, sorry, okay, you so get, Okay, you're going to you keep, keep correcting me. I love it. Uh, I love it when uh, I, I, I'm Tom corrected. Uh, yes, it's possible. But how damning would it be um to lose to a, another promoted team and one that is as woeful as we are? With Brentford, you could sense the excitement they hadn't been in the top uh, the top tier of football for 70 years whereas with Norwich they've been a yo-yo team right a little bit like West Brom uh, um that kind of go up and down and we've seen their story and their narrative before so um you can't lose this game to uh, a Daniel Farker side uh, and is it Dan- Daniel is his first name Daniel is right yeah Daniel, Daniel Farker, yeah. Yeah, Daniel Farker. Um, and and then expect to keep your job I, I just cannot fathom that that's the type of club that we've become to lose to Brentford yes okay you can lose to the champions of England and Chelsea but the manner in which we've lost to these teams is the most horrific part of all of this um, and I'm not saying if we put in a good showing against Norwich and lose Tom then that will be good enough because I don't even think that will be good enough at this point we've no, got to win I, that game
0: we have to win it and we have to win it not just, just scraping through we have to win it well we have to play well we have to show that we've progressed over these two weeks and whilst Certainly those players that have been on international break haven't yet been like around the, the pre-season preparations. There's a lot of players that are still at the club and are still going to be preparing for that game. We've played that pre-season. It feels like a pre-season friendly because it feels like our season's not started. Behind <laughs> closed doors friendly against Brentford, which we won 4-0. And obviously there was a lot of good things about that. Gabriel and Ben White coming back and seeing players like Ainti make the nose given a chance in midfield. Cedric scoring twice, Lacazette scoring two, Gabriel scoring himself as well. Martinelli got a start in that game. Two, Charlie Patino and Amari Hutchinson got minutes with the first team. Mm-hmm. All positives. And we played a three at the back system, which is obviously really strange because we've not seen that in kind of a, a free-flowing attacking sense. It's only been used against Man City to try and hold the line, except we didn't do it all too well against Man City at the Etihad. Do you think that you'd like, kind of double down on that back three or would you continue with the back four we've seen at the start?
1: None of this matters, Behind-closed-doors games, friendlies, none of it matters. What matters is what and how we perform in the Premier League and getting three points. I understand those games are important for preparation, but also is it indicative of Arteta's, Arteta's own sef- self-stress and pressure, knowing that he is under the cosh and that he has to make and adapt? And is it also possible that now he supposedly has his own team, fair few are away on international duty, of course, that he now feels like he can execute the system that supposedly uh, Tom um, he has always wanted to. Now you're far oh. far more far more intelligent than I am when it comes to tactics, but it appears that you know um, well, every every time I spoke to someone, they said, "Oh, he wants to play a four three, three but now it's like you know he wants to play three at the back. Now clearly, we've played our better games um, having that three at the back. Um, But I think that now he's under intense pressure. He's got to shake things up a little bit. And if this is going to be something that helps the team going forward and he's playing to the strengths of the players that he has, I think Ben White and Gabrielle could really excel in that. Um, You've got uh, Double T, as I like to call him, uh, Takahiro, Uh, who is coming into the side, is a really good, like Ben White, is a good ball carrier as well. So now you've got really two good ball carriers coming out the back and Gabrielle, who's much stronger in the air than Ben White, no doubt about that. So there's this complementary essence to to that team. And I think we have to be able to see them play together before we absolutely kill this project completely. Um, I'm not an Arteta fan, as you know. But I am willing to give this team a shot to see how they gel together. And if he can't pull it together, not only against Norwich, but Burnley, that's going to be a tough game. We only got one point off them last season. Can't go into the North London derby having two points or one point and losing to them as well. Um, And, of course, we all know derbies are different. Form goes out the window, the old cliche. But you can't come out of that keeping your job if, if... we get like one or two points out of those three games i mean that that yeah. starts going into october time tom and that's really dangerous dangerous Absolutely. recipe
0: I mean, if you go into if you think we go through the next three games against Burnley, Norwich and and Spurs, that as you said, that that is then October. And if say you manage to pick up one to two points from your first six games and you're already in October, it's a point where if you don't move on from the coach at that point, I don't think there's a a season to rescue. Like from the position that we would be in and how far how many points we would be behind our target of top six, which is, you imagine that's the target they've set themselves to get back into Europe this season. So, to, to carry on after some really poor results would boggle the minds. However, I've seen this club make some weird decisions in the managerial aspect and they held on to Emery, I thought, for too long. Obviously, we know about the Wenger situation going on too long. That was more down to him than, than the club. So, with, with Arteta... It is, like you say, it's going to be an opportunity to see what we're capable of with what I feel will be our best team. And I don't include, to be honest, Granite Jacker in that. And his suspension, I think, may end up being a bit of a blessing rather than a, a curse for us. And, and maybe seeing La and Partey if Partey is indeed fit together is something I'm really excited about in the midfield, seeing those two play together with their mobility and how much dynamism they're going to bring to the midfield as well. Mm -hmm. It is intriguing to me what he chooses to go with from a formation standpoint. But a couple of kind of the other things that we've got to think about from, from a team selection perspective is also the attacking midfield part of it because Erdogan has played... He played a great game for norway the other day on the right hand side for, mm-hmm. and and that was an interesting kind of positional play there Rowe we know has played a lot on the left which is also something he's excelled at and for me i've kind of been i don't know if i've been wearing my sandwich board too too many times about playing <laughs> three four two one but i like the idea of playing two number tens behind Bamiyang. i like the idea of it being both emil Rowe and Martin Odegaard you've then got the opportunity to play say a Saka in a wing back role to overlap Smith Rowe and you can play either Tomiyasu or someone on the right side easily make the Nas possibly at right wing back or you can play Pepe in kind of a weirder role that in that position i think there is options but how do you structure the forward line because it's there's so much so many options for arteta to choose from
1: you know it's really funny we uh, we asked the listeners the other day to pick their 11 um on on Kev's show on friday and I was gobsmacked that... Well, not gobsmacked, but I was really surprised that Pepe was not in a lot of uh, fans' team. And I found that to be really interesting considering Pepe has been a really good outlet for goals, despite the fact that maybe on the eye, Pepe is never an easy watch. Yeah. But I think what he does is a little unseen. Um, and... I just thought that when we're struggling and we don't know what Abamyang we're going to get so far this season, why he wouldn't be in it. Now Saka, I think, has played a lot of football, but if he can reproduce a little bit of the form he's shown for England, to be honest with you, look, he should not be immune to criticism. He's been treated like this, you know. I don't know. I don't know how to analyze it, but it's it's like you have this beautiful pearl, you know, and it's protected in the shell. And you don't want to touch it. You don't want to harm it. It's just the prettiest thing. Mm. And Saka, I think um, we don't want to fall into the trap of overly protecting him him to the point where, you know, he does become immune to criticism. Now, I know he's only 20, just turned 20. um, And I do think, though, if you're going to put him up on that pedestal, he's got to have a better end product. He's got to be able to make better decisions in the final third, and he's got to start scoring goals. And I think one of our biggest challenges, no matter who plays in that forward line or what that creative front looks like, Tom, mm. they've got to score more goals. E, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe has to score more. Saka has to score more. We've got to get goals from Udegaard as well, whether Martinelli plays, whether Laka plays. Now, Laka's positioning is a little bit different because... He kind of, he's he's that number nine where he holds up the ball so well. He brings mm. other players in, you know, he opens up spaces for other players. And I think sometimes that goes a little unsung and I know he doesn't score as much, but he's probably one of our best players without the ball. And we're one of the poorest teams in the league without the ball. Mm. So these are the small things, the minor details that are fundamentals that we just have to start getting right. In terms of playing with two number 10s, I, I I don't have a problem with that either. Um, there was a game last season, Tom, I don't know if you remember. It was probably Willian's best game. It was against Sheffield United yeah. away. And in that second half, I think it was Willian and Saka who were swapping. You know, we were confusing Sheffield United. We were mo- They were shifting into a 10 role. They were shifting, you know, to the flanks. And... It was just really great to watch the movement and the movement off the ball as well. It's probably was it one Leicester of our away? Was it Leic- Leicester, was Leicester was the three-one. That was brilliant.
0: Willi- Willian was a great that game. Like that yes. was genuinely where William was because Sheffield United, Willian came off the bench and we started with Sabios in kind of a deeper role next to Thomas Partey. And he was kind of that deep. So you basically what you had was you had Thomas turning into kind of the single number six. Mm -hmm. And Sabayos basically became a second number 10 because Saka technically played at number 10 that day because Pepe and Martinelli played on each flank. Maybe it was the Leicester
1: game. I I know that we did Mm -hmm. that. We did pretty well against Sheffield United playing like similarly, but that Leicester game, it should be the blueprint for everything that was good about the good that happened last season and what Arteta Mm -hmm. can actually do as a coach and how these players can actually perform, right? So... Uh, I think you're going to see Oba on the left again No, Do you think Ober's going to start down the middle? Do you think he'll play Saka, Oba? I mean, I, I just, I feel like this Oba on the left versus down the middle, He's he almost mm. won the Golden Boot twice playing on the left. In his two best seasons for us, he was most, a lot, a lot of the time he was playing on the left, especially in that, in that second season when we won the FA Cup. Mm. I don't care where he plays as long as he scores goals. But to be fair to him... A lot of the times he's made runs and he's been in positions, but we just haven't had that creative outlet. So the fact that we don't have that natural creative player um, doubling down on it, the way you said, I wouldn't mind seeing that and trying it um, against Norwich. I don't want to experiment, but we should go for it. You know, we should really go for it. He's got to take the handbrake off for, for real this time, not just say it, do it.
0: Yeah, and I think that we have played so restrictively, like we've been playing as if you say, like we've had the handbrake on, and it just doesn't feel like people have got license to do as they want. And players like Erdogan or Samir Smith Rowe feel a bit shackled in their in their areas of which they're playing. It's almost like he's over coached them in some senses. Mm. Like there is, there's not enough room I like used to have Arsene Wenger that would just sit and watch his team deliver the performances that he was asking for and he'd very rarely get up. You then add Uno Emery that was much more kind of vocal and expressive in how he was on the touchline and it's still like you saw a couple of moments of play from his team that you thought okay I can get what he's doing at like the Leicester game at home again that, that really kind of showcased what the Emery team could do. Arteta is for me, he's too much on the touchline, too much trying to tell people what to do. It doesn't allow them that freedom. And if they fall just ever so slightly out of kilter, he's like drawing them back in, positioning them in different places, and it's it's too much to almost think about. It's like if you mm-hmm. if you need to be on the touchline orchestrating every single second of the game, then surely what you're doing on the training pitch isn't enough because what you do in mm-hmm. midweek, but especially now without European football, and now you've got a whole week to prepare, mm-hmm the players should know instinctively through their coaching on the training pitch, what they need to do. It's. But,
1: is it, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that I know it was West Brom and they had six debutants in that team and, you know, under 23s and stuff. Mm. But is it not interesting that in that match, I don't care who you're playing against, you play who's opposite you and you still have to play well and get a result. Um, and if we'd lost, that it would have been a nightmare. But we didn't, we won. And it was the one game since he's taken over 19 months ago where he didn't really stand on the touchline and yell the entire match. Mm. And there was a moment in the Chelsea game where he was yelling at Emil Smith Rowe, right? And Emil Smith Rowe kind of looked at him confused as if to say, I don't think Emil Smith Rowe was saying, I can't hear what you're saying. I think he was looking at him as, as to say, I don't understand. Yeah. Right? And, you know, we've had these, you know, someone, I think, you know, a lot, there has been a report that says that he does a bit too much and the players are overloaded. And some Mm. players need to to be a little bit more um, free thinking. It's just like any job you have. When someone micromanages you, you start feeling a little bit more introverted. You don't express yourself. You start questioning everything that you do. And I think that's been a, a, a big problem and I don't think it's got anything to do with the fact that we have a, a lot of young players. I think he's a control freak and he tries oh, yeah. to do, he tries to do things like thinking he's pep and he's got players like he had at Manchester City and that's just not the case. Um, and you can tell his awesome. surprise
0: when it doesn't work. Like yeah. you, can, you can tell when is like, he's kind of reached the end of what he's capable of and going, I've tried everything and. It's not, and you mm-hmm. tell that from like the post match press conferences and interviews that he does that he tries to defend things. that I don't think he's necessarily, you don't feel like he's the words he's saying he actually believes at times right. in, in some of those interviews. Um, and says, if, if they, that, they can't
1: believe it, if the players can't believe it, then yeah. you can't expect the fans to no. accept what you're trying to do,
0: no. you know. And it's, it's obvious, like it's you can see from the lack of system and the lack of pattern of play, like that. The, 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 there is a, a real issue um mm-hmm. the rihanna says uh, tom i second what you said about three four two one saka left wing back but what do you and sophie think about ramsdale i want to see him start also like what you said isn't it horrible people are crapping on our signings who are still very capable let's break that down into two parts then ramsdale sophie does he start for you against norwich over over leno
1: for me leno should never start another game for arsenal After expressing that he wants to leave um, and that he's going to leave on a free next summer, uh, for me, he comes in if Ramsdale's injured. Um, I would not start him at all. You can't keep playing players who don't want to be at the club. Mm. Now, when you read Willian's interview since he's left, the dude was miserable at Arsenal, never really wanted to join the club. He was a Chelsea man through and through. And they made that happen, right? Right. But you could tell the guy never wanted to be there. You just can't keep doing that. It's detrimental to the team, to the dressing room. It undermines players who do want to be there, who do want to wear the shirt and play for the Arsenal. For me, this is the game to make the change. Now, does Arteta have the balls, Tom, to do that? Is he going to have the, if I would love to have seen if Xhaka was available for the Norwich game, if he would have, is Thomas Partey starting? Is he, he's. We assume,
0: he, we were told that he'd be back in full training ahead of that game. So we assume so.
1: Right. So I would have been curious to see if he'd have stuck with Xhaka, mm. you know. Um But, you know, Kalasinac, you know, Xhaka didn't want to be there. Rewards him with a new contract, and then they expect fans to just be silent and not get upset about that. Well, they, with Mourinho. they actually
0: activated a clause in his previous deal. Like it, was, it wasn't like they had to negotiate a contract with Xhaka, it was a clause in the old contract that they could extend it for a year plus an extra year on top of that. And like, I it was like as if they weren't going to agree a fee with Roma, there was no one else interested in Xhaka, so they just decided to extend the contract. And I, I've gone back and forth with that because I'm like, well. If you let that contract run down to just a year in 2022, if you want to move him on, you're going to get nothing. Mm-hmm. But if you renew it, then maybe maybe you can get more money if you were going to sell him. But that's the only way I can justify it. And, and you know me, I try and find balance in
1: everything. not <laughs> if yeah. we couldn't sell him after he had that kind of Euro tournament, mm. who's going to buy him if he has a crap season at the Arsenal? I mean... It's, it's mind-blowing. I understand the Ooh. contract and the protection part of it. But if we couldn't sell him at the height of his performances, what makes anyone think we're going to be able to sell him when we couldn't offload? We couldn't sell Sogradi's. We couldn't sell um, Mustafi. Definitely. We couldn't Ozil. sell Ozil. We couldn't can't sell Kalasinac. We pretty much have given Bellerin away. I mean, what makes anyone think the club are going to be able to sell Xhaka If he has this kind of season, immature, absolutely stupid, red card against Chelsea, hurt his team, his stats for being sent off are ridiculously bad. And what do we do? We reward him with a new contract. Oh, more money. That money could have gone to another player. So they've got to be careful of these things and fans have every right to be a little peeved um, when it comes to those those kinds of moves. Um, I can't remember the second part of the question, but uh, I think it was Ramsdale, which we answered, right?
0: Yeah, Ramsdale. Yeah, yeah. the other part was about kind of how there's people kind of already judging our, our signings in a negative light when they've barely played. Uh, which I, you know, I, it's not one. That I don't think we need to go into loads of detail about. I think that we know that there is hyperbole amongst the fan base, especially towards. But it's signings, other
1: people so. too. It's ridiculous. Gary Neville. Okay, what's United's strategy been? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't even won anything, but what he's done is improved them in the league they've got mm. a better squad and he moved, he got them to second place pressure's yeah. on him though now he's lost every final he's been in you know he should have won the europa league and didn't so it's kind of ridiculous that you know he's pointing the finger at the arsenal when Solskjaer really had no identity to this team until really the 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 the, the, the best part of last season right and, you know, Kevin and I talked about it, whether it's Sky Sports, Talk Sport, and I contribute to both, but I'm glad that I am able to do that because at least there's there's people out there that will, that will support the club and that narrative. You know, it's, you can't just keep throwing darts at Arsenal. We don't help ourselves, but mm. now it's become a game to a lot of people like Jamie O'Hara and folks like that. And that's yeah. where the rubber meets the road for me. You know what? We're not perfect. We are far from the club we used to be let's not clickbait arsenal every single minute you get the chance to do that it's ridiculous
0: i do it is really hard to get get frustrated when you hear comments that are that are clearly designed to yes. to, to rile things up and like i it, every single time i write a piece i am trying to do it with the best intention of being informative rather than mm. reactionary and 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 it's you know in in the world of media it's it's a fine line that you tread sometimes but i would always endeavour to be objective rather than provocative uh, in what was written. So, look, uh, Tom Sabo in the chat says, question I'm partial to the four four two. Do you think it would work? Abamiang, Pepe, Emil Smith-Rowe, Erdogan, Partey and Saka, Tierney, Gabriel, Wyatt and Tommy Yasu. Call me crazy. I would take it. Keep up the good work, Tom and Sophie. Um, do you like the idea of a two-up top system?
1: David Hillier and Kevin were talking about this. Why not play a 4 4, four two? And I was like, wow, do, we, do, do teams eat any... And I was, you know, again, not a tactical who genius. Plays <laughs> um, who plays
0: 4-4-2?
1: Who plays 4 4 like, Well, there is a few teams that play four four two. Um, Why not? You know, why not? At this point, I think Arteta needs yeah. to be open-minded. And it, and he needs to be open-minded based on the plays available to him. Now, we don't know how players are going to come back from the international break. Hopefully, there's no injuries, Tom. Hopefully, everyone comes mm. back. You know, I know Elneny's injured. Um there's still another game to go for everybody, um, but you know if you have Ben White, Gabrielle, you got a fit Tierney, who by the way has had a terrible season so far. Tierney also not immune to criticism. I mean, he's been he's
0: very exposed. To be fair,
1: <laughs> his manager has set him up to fail. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, I think he hasn't helped himself in certain spots. So, mm. um, but if they, if you then have party Lacunga, you've got Pepe, you've got Saka, you've got Emil Smith Rowe, Udegaard, Obamayang, that is not a bad football team. It's Those funny. are decent players, <laughs> but they haven't played together. And again, I'm not Arteta's biggest fan, but we have to see how they can play together and whether you know some of these players are going to be able to execute a four four two or a four three two one or a three whatever it is. Um, that's going to be down to Arteta to to get it right. But I'm not adverse to it at this point. I'll try anything to get out of that bottom spot.
0: Likewise, I just want to see Arsenal play well in whatever that formation looks like. Exactly. Joe <laughs> says, I wonder if he has forgotten what it's like to be a player. He has fully imitated Pep, but he played under two great managers. Uh, he's forgotten about that. I mean... It's it is important that the separation between player and manager because it is a very very different role, different mindset, different environment to be in. And I think that Arteta has definitely struggled with the fact he has come into a team where his players, some of them were his teammates previously, like Callum Chambers, Meza Urzu, of course too. Like there's been players there that have, were there when he was playing, and that's a really odd. Time. I mean, listening to Paul Merson talk about when he took over, I think at Walsall when he was obviously a player manager and then became manager and he just couldn't demand the respect to the players. And I feel like Arteta has gone very authoritarian with his approach to the team to try and combat his lack of experience with the mm. side. And I think unfortunately with cases like Gendouzi and Saliba and Ozil, it, it's massively backfired on him and and maybe it's costing the respect to a few of his players and, and the likability from some of his players And now, I'm really interested when we get to the end of the season and we see this documentary to see the dynamic behind the scenes. I know it's going to be a a version of the truth that is mm-hmm. really going on. I'm, I'm sure it will be. But we will still get some insight into kind of the, 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 the dynamic of the club and the team and how the players act and are behind the scenes with this coach, if this coach remains coach for the rest of the season as well. Yeah. Uh, We are going to go through more of your questions in the chat. We've got about 15 more minutes or so left of the show. So if you have got any questions, guys, please do throw them into the chat box. There's lots of questions about kind of suggested formations and suggested lineups. Of course, we we have covered that. So if you want to throw in some more variety, please do. Jonathan says, Sophie, do you think Arteta's stubbornness slash arrogance will be his downfall?
1: You know, uh, I've seen a lot of successful business people lose everything because of ego and poor decision-making, right? Ego comes into a lot of things. Now, every really good manager has an ego, but how that ego is translated uh, is the most important thing, right? Mm. Mourinho, probably the biggest ego of all, but he's won everything. Okay. Ancelotti Ancelotti (laughs) has an ego, earned it. Pep has an ego, he's earned it. Klopp, Conte, Simeone you know, all have egos, too cool, ego. But yeah. how they translate that, how, how you get men to believe in you, to follow you to the end of the earth. When you're a football manager, convincing one man in, to buy into your ideas is hard enough. Convincing 11, week in, week out, to believe in you and what you're trying to do is not an easy task. And man management is his Achilles heel. And that is really a bad situation, Tom, because he's the manager of Arsenal Football Club. Mm. And that is a huge challenge for him. He's 39 years old. His ego's different, right? He's still young himself. He can't accept certain behavior. Totally wanted someone to come in and clean house. We all did. But there's cleaning house and there's treating certain players differently and not being consistent in how you treat them. Patting Jacker on the back as he gets a red card and goes off the pitch, unacceptable. Calling Pepe out for his red card, the right thing to do, but he shouldn't have done it so publicly maybe. If you're going to treat one player one way, you've got to treat the other the, the, the same way. Mm. Players are more senior, they've won more, they'll get treated differently because they're elder statesmen, if you like. But what he's done, the way he's treated Saliba, You know, you ask yourself, well, is he worse than what we have? Genduzi, he was a punk against Brighton, granted, but he did nothing to try and coerce him to to, to work with his personality, his character. Maybe he needed to see, like, you know, a a, a mind coach to help him curb his temper. These things are really important when you're managing a team. And he seems to ostracise players if he can't deal with them. Mm. And I think that's a really big problem for him.
0: The real Yanis has asked Tom's favourite question. Not sure if he has asked this so far, but <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on Edu? <laughs> this could be a fun one.
1: Um, that interview was an absolute disaster, in my opinion. Um, it would have been my recommendation, from a PR perspective, to not do that. Why? Because it 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 seemed so desperate to sell us again on this process or project. The the worst thing for me was it kind of underlined how it seems like he, this is why people shouldn't get too excited about these Conte rumours and a change because what he was trying to say is, look, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. This is what we're trying to do. And he tried to sell us on this whole youth and then world-class angle. And I'm like, well, wouldn't you buy the world-class first and then integrate the youth into this team? We, we don't need younger more younger players. We need experienced players that the younger players can rely on, that they can put their their stress and they can go to for advice. You know, We just don't have those kinds of players. Like Lacazette is really good like that. I mean, Aubameyang is a different kind of... He's not a leader. People love mm. him and like him, but he's not a leader, right? Xhaka claims to be this leader, but he goes in two-footed a, a, against Chelsea and we lose and go down to, to 10 Pretty, men. Yeah. City, sorry. Um, So I thought it was a bit of a PR disaster. Now people say, well, you guys wanted transparency. You got transparency. No. That was in response to the Gary Neville piece on Sky Sports, I thought. That was in response to, screw you guys. We know what we're doing. We have a strategy. Don't you question me or my job. And he just waffled a lot. And he talked about this plan of youth. And I'm thinking, hold on a second. We've seen this movie before. Wenger talked about youth. The, the club has been built on that for years. And where has it gotten us in the Premier League? Really nowhere, no progress. We're out of Europe now. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if you're going to spend 150 million, why didn't you go get three world-class players, integrate the youth with those players, and then in January, go get your younger players, continue that, 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 uh, that plan. But notice our... Our age, our age bracket for players. Arteta pretty pretty likes nice. he likes control. Tom, mm. that profile of player—that's the type of player you can control. And he's such an egomaniac in a lot of ways that I wonder—is the profile like that because that's the type of player that he can manage? I don't know. Um, but as for Adu, I haven't thought about
0: it like that, to be fair.
1: Mm. He's on he's on thin ice for me as is Arteta. If this doesn't work, I mean, you know, you got to give it time. But how much time? We don't have time. We're bottom of the league. We are bottom. Arsenal Football Club are bottom of the Premier League. Yeah, and and we've got some really tough games coming up, you know. And they've tried. The Cronkies have given them a ton of money. I mean, one hundred and fifty well, million.
0: They haven't, have they? they haven't, the club haven't, has given them a the ton club, of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: the cash flow has given yes, them a ton yeah, of they've money. Gone, yes, you
0: may <laughs> spend the club's money. That's fine.
1: Yeah, look, the, the
0: Edu thing, I love the topic because it divides opinion so much. And there's so many different like factors around Edu to consider because with everyone at the club, Edu for me is the one under the least amount of scrutiny from from my perspective because he's the one that's done the least wrong. He's the one that's done more good things I think than anyone else at the club and I think that probably says more about the, the how less of a, how how few good things there are about anyone else. But I look at some of the things that Edu does and I kind of appreciate what he's trying to do. I'd not thought about the I'd not thought about what you brought up in the sense of the young players being easier to control and I think there is definitely merit to that point. I I wouldn't mm. argue against that at all. Um what I think is is true is that I wouldn't have spent 150 million on three world class players. I would have spent it on if if say the 150 million was the budget, I would have spent it on two. I would have brought in two world class players and I would have used the other 50 million to cover the positions that we needed to add the depth like backup keeper, backup left back, and, uh, and back up central midfield. like So Lukonga, Rams down to Varish, I think that's about 50 million quid, what we spent on those three. So I probably mm-hmm. would have brought those three in. And then instead of, saying bringing in Ben White, I would have probably gone, you know, well, let's keep that guy we spent 28 million quid on if Arteta was going to play him. I always said, look, I think it's the right idea to send him out on loan just because I don't think Arteta would ever play him. So I'd rather mm-hmm. see him playing somewhere, proving him wrong. But say in theoretical terms, he would have played him. Kept Saliba, so we didn't have to spend 50 million pounds on White. Then look at the attacking midfield area of the pitch. I, I don't think I would have splashed £70 million on James Madison because I don't think there's a 30, £40 million difference between Madison and Erdogan. to be honest. I don't I think agree. there's a £40 million difference between those two. But I would have looked around and gone, is there anyone who's genuinely world-class in an attacking midfield role that can add massive amounts of creativity to Arsenal's team. And to be honest, off the top of my head, without sitting down for a few minutes and thinking and doing some research, I can't give you one. But maybe the chat box will start exploding with names that I'm not being able to think of on the spot. You mean but, like
1: Usain out, getting out? Why not just try? If it, even if Leon wanted to send well, him to, on loan or that type I'd, of thing? I player. would aim
0: higher. Like you, you saying mm. yeah, that you wanted to bring three world class players. I think Aouar is not world class. I think he's someone that's inconsistent and has got the potential to be a very good player if he sorts out his inconsistencies. But I would have spent the, the 50 million on quid on a world class attacking midfield talent. And I would have spent 50 million pounds on, on a central midfielder. Now, Like
1: Basuma, you would have yeah. gone for Basuma. I probably, like
0: yeah. That. I mean, to be fair. And then if Basuma was seemingly available for like 30 to 40 million, he wasn't, yeah. So I probably could have got some change and then improved the right back, which I looked at as a really key position. And, I, you know, Tommy Asu, I kind of get this idea. I quite like the guy. I've looked into him quite a bit now and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of good things about it or a Bruno Guimaraes in midfield. Danny Olmo a great shout, real, Yanis. Thank you for that. That That's a really good shout from, from RB Leipzig. Maybe someone of his kind of calibre that would have really added loads. Or, you know, a Zobosla, because I love talking about him. Like, someone that's got the creativity and goal-scoring abilities in attacking midfield. That type of player. But I'm not sure that they were ever going to do that in this window. I thought they were always going to go to the young, kind of mm-hmm. the youth side of things first. And then I'm kind of looking at 2022 and going, right, they've they've said they want to blend world-class with youth. Well, they've brought in six 23-and-under players. If they don't, in the summer of 2022, target at least two transformative world-class figures for the team, then they what they said was a load of rubbish, basically, because then they're not <laughs> following through on what they've theorised and prophesized about what they want to do. What I will say about the whole interview is that I think you have to take it with a massive grain of salt. I don't mm-hmm. think what a- anything Arteta or Edu or anyone at the club says publicly is a fair representation of what's happening on the inside. Like, And it might be worse, what's going on <laughs> on the inside. We don't know. But I think the reason, one of one of my theories about why, I, uh, why Edu didn't say, give us a target, I have a couple of theories about, one of them is because I feel like he genuinely thinks he's done a good job with the signings that we've made. And I think that he has concerns about whether or not the manager he has can actually enact his vision of the team. But since they promoted Arteta to manager, he has no control about whether Arteta leaves. They're kind of on a level playing field. So he's kind of just got to, you know, just kind of keep things going with Arteta mm-hmm. because he has no real superiority over him. So I feel like there is maybe an element of that, that he did want to set a target because, if, because I feel like if he had set a target publicly and we'd have failed... Based upon the selection decisions and poor coaching of the manager, he would have, you know, been thrown under the bus for that, and they would have pointed towards the signings. When I actually think that he's what he's given Arteta is a very good group of players that is I far agree. better than where we are right now in the league. And anything that happens on the pitch is the, the finger points squarely at Arteta. It can't go towards Edu for me because he's added, he's improved the squad. Like he's made us better than what we were last season. And we've spent more than any other Premier League club. So you look at the gap that we're trying to close and and you'd imagine that against some of the teams that were around us like Spurs, I feel like our squad has closed the gap with them compared to last mm-hmm. season. They added, I mean, who did they add? Christian Romero? Yes. Um... Who else did they? Add? I uh, try Brian not to Hill. pay too
1: much attention to them these days. Yeah, but yeah I feel like they've... the
0: business we did closed the gap, if there mm-hmm. was a gap between us and them, or just you know just improved us in comparison to them. I feel like we've closed the gap with Leicester, even though they did some decent business with the likes of Samara, et cetera. I think they brought in some decent players, but I feel like we closed the gap in terms of squad with them. West Ham, I think we definitely closed the squad. They've not got Jesse Lingard anymore. So I feel like there's no excuses to say that we shouldn't be closing the gap on them. And teams like Aston Villa have done some great business, but losing Jack Grealish is a massive, massive loss to them. So, I feel like the business that we've done has allowed us to compete a lot better than we were positioned to last season, especially in terms of like if Tierney was injured, we had Granite Xhaka in left back. Our right back, we've sorted out. Centre midfield, we've added Laconga in there despite not bringing in a, a, a first team centre midfielder. But now for me, it's, it's always going go to go to Arteta now. It's always the finger will go to him and I can't look at Edu from my perspective as being culpable for mistakes mm. on the pitch and team selection.
1: He's given him the tools. Now it's Arteta's team. He's got to make it work now. It's out of Edu's hands, like you said, right? Um, Here's a positive, right? And there are some. Lekonga could end up being one of the signings of the season for any team. There is something very special about him. I love watching him play. You're not captain of Anderlecht at 21 years old, Done. You know, given the armband by Vincent Company, if you're not really good, he had a great game for Belgium the other day. Mm. There is something about I can't wait to see how he and Party play together. That is something to be very positive about. Some of the players we're talking about, Tom, it is so hard to attract players when you do not have European football. Yeah. It might have been a bit different if we were in the Champions League, not because we can win it. If we'd have won that Europa League and qualified for Champions League football, right, not because we can win it, but what it brings to the club from a fiscal perspective. It's huge. And what that, what does that bring? Players want to play in the Champions League nowadays. But even when we weren't in the Champions League, we could dangle the Europa League carrot as a vehicle oh. to get back into the Champions League. We signed Aubameyang, Lacazette, Party, Gabriel, Pepe, Tierney, with n- with no Champions League football, but they knew they were going to play in Europe and they had a road back into the Champions League. Now we don't have Europe at all. Why would some of those top players come to us when they can go? Um, Locatelli is going to, you know, Italian players don't really like to come to to, to um, England anyway, but no. he's going to go to Juventus. He's going to play Champions League football. You know, um, why would Dest leave Barcelona when he's going to be playing in the Champions League? So that is the biggest challenge of all. I think this is why we have also had to go down this route, and it's spun a little bit by selling us on youth. But mm. I tell you something: if we could have signed some of those players, we, we, I think we were in a we're in a better position to to, to do so. Having European football that has absolutely killed us this season, killed us. So yeah. we've spent more to try and get back there, and we're sitting at the bottom of the Premier League now. It's over to Arteta, as you said.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to try and get a few more of your questions in the chat box, Mr. Joker. What two accolades do you both see as achievable in the next two seasons? If we are in the project, then what objective targets do you have? Give me your two targets for the season that Arteta didn't tell us so (laughs) far.
1: Let's be competitive again. That's the first step. Mm. Be competitive, be consistent. The rest will come. Let's not talk about top six, let's not talk about top four. Let's not talk about any of that stuff. Just those two things we need to start with because that's what we haven't done in the Premier what League for a long like? time. I think that looks like crawling up the table, you know, and if we end up in a, in the, in sixth, it'd be a miracle. It'd be a great achievement. Tastes like vinegar coming out of my mouth, but it's my truth. Mm. And I tell you, if we can win the League Cup, I know this may sound crazy to some people. We haven't won it since 1993. You know, Wenger never won that trophy. Can you believe it? Never won the FA Cup how many times? And we've won that 14 times. If we can win the League Cup, it's still a trophy. These players need to understand and learn about winning and how it tastes,
0: yeah. you know.
1: And then that breeds wanting more, needing more. That's why we went on that FA Cup run from 14, 15 onwards. They got a taste of it. They liked winning. We were a cup team, one-off games. We can do that. That's got to be translated to the Premier League now, Tom. Consistency in the league over 38 games—that has been one of our toughest, toughest tasks that we've underachieved for a lot of years now.
0: All I want to see is progress. Like that—that's—that's that's mm-hmm. all I can ask. Like f- f- I know people out there going, "Look, we should start the season with wanting to be champions or wanting to be a top four team." I—I I don't look at that as a realistic target right now, with—with with the competition that's there. With Man United, Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool, and then you look at the other teams that are trying to break into that top four, Leicester every season improving, Spurs always wanted to be there. Everton and Aston Villa have always got these kind of ambitions to get into European football, as have West Ham, seemingly, and and have achieved that last year. So top four is just not realistic for us right now. But to get to that top six, to progress on last season's result, and then when you say if we were to finish, say, sixth, I, I would look at it and go that's progress. Like we've, we've, we've progressed. And then you go into the next season, you go, can we get fifth? And, and that if we do get fifth, we're going in an upward trajectory because what we've done over the last 10 years, Sophie, is we've gone backwards. So yep. Arsenal must be moving in the direction, right direction if we go sixth this season, fifth the following season, then we can look to say, all right, we've done that. Let's let's go for a, you know, let's go for a, a, a fourth place finish. What do you think? Tom,
1: we just need to win a game. Right now, we just need to win mm-hmm. a game. And winning a game and go on a little bit of a run, get competitive, be consistent. And then whatever happens after that is gravy. Because we shouldn't have, like you said, there's no lofty goals for the top part of the table this season. It's about starting to play as a team, not as individuals. Really gelling together and just win a few games. Let's start there.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Let's go. Willie just said the
1: same thing. Willie said win a game. There you go.
0: Yeah, there you score go. Score a goal, Daniel. A <laughs> just just score a goal would be great if we could do that. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there. Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, as it always is. Uh, do give yourself a shout out and tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, give us a shot at the hybrid squad over on YouTube um, and check out our content. Thanks, as always, for having me, Tom. Really appreciate it. Always a good football conversation with you. And let's hope that our team wins this weekend. That's all we want. Let's win a game. Let's go.
0: Absolutely. And hopefully we can put in a great performance. Just before we go, Tom Sabal, uh, I have a. I have to ask again, what does Xhaka hold over the manager's board and our owner's causation of correlation? Uh, we've sucked since he's been here. Look, they just seem to like him, Tom. I don't know what it is. They just seem to like him. And I don't think we could go on for a whole new podcast about Xhaka.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, maybe he's got some see. dodgy pictures you
0: know from... <laughs> who knows who knows <laughs> thank you for tuning in, everyone uh, you've got two more bits of content that you can tune into this evening because Sophie's going to be doing a show at eight o'clock I'm also going to be joining the boys over at the Arsenal lounge with Mo and lead judges as well so two more bits of content you can watch one live you can catch up on the other do it either way it's up to you but make sure you go and check out the content 100% you'll find a link to the hybrid scores in today's video description drop us a like drop us a subscription if you are new. and as always up the Arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfection order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery you in